audience? Perhaps? I don't know. David, you, you've been an inspiration to many of us and just in the way that you've trusted God. Been full of faith in him through the mm -hmm. last 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a privilege for us to be able to hear from you today. So, David, we're in your hands. Thank, Thank you very much. Roda? Bravo, Jan. Did I get the shark in my Pam? Ah, that hug. Christ, so. Very grateful just for the privilege of being here. Has a very, you have a very special place in our hearts. So that for Liz as well, that's for sure. Thank you for praying. Um, don't stop. And uh, thank you for those of you that have given recently. I, I, uh, I walked on hills all my life. And uh, so I've been doing under chemo. I, I started chemo last December. So it's almost 10 months now. Um, and the last, I don't know how many months, has been quite heavy. Um, uh, as, well, anyway, so I thought, well, if I could do every, all the 33 summits between the English border and Brinama, so that's the Black Mountains, the Beacons, the Forest Fawr, and Carmarthen Fam, uh, on, on chemo, I might get into the Guinness Book of Idiots. You know, <laughs> I, th I thought, that, so I, I, we're finished this week, actually. Um, and uh, just raising money for Valindra, just because so many people have done so much for us. So, you know, if you, if you want to contribute, go on to Just Giving and type in Ollerton and it'll be there. Um, how do we respond when trouble hits? <laughs> you, know, I've already, you know, I'm a non-smoker, I'm a non-drinker, I've worked, I've walked hard, I've, I, before all this kind of kicked off, I've been in the gym, uh, you know, several times a week, just kind of stopping the old age problem overtaking me, and uh, didn't make any difference at all. So, why why does trouble come to Christians, or more, why does trouble come to me? I'm sure that there are times when we ask ourselves that question, and yeah, we are in a fallen world, and we we do suffer from a sinful nature. I, I, you know, you do, whether you admit it or not. Um, and uh, as Job says, you know, we were born for trouble as the sparks fly upwards. So that, uh, you know, there, there may be trouble ahead. Uh, and Christians are not immune from the ups and downs of life. Sometimes the ups are high, sometimes the downs are low. Um, so what does the Bible say about that? Well, I want you to turn with me, if I may, um, to Romans 5, and I'm just going to read the first 11 verses. We don't normally read a passage like this um, on a subject like this. Thomas says, talk about how you handle difficulty. And uh, it, so you, you might be surprised I turned to Romans 5, but never mind. Um, it would be good for you to hear it. It's always good to read Romans 5. So here we go. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope 
of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Much more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I mean, ugh. How you weren't cheering halfway through, I'm not quite sure. The odd thing is, you see, verse 1 and 2, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God. It's the gospel, isn't it? Paul has been unfolding chapter by chapter by chapter our lostness, the lostness of the Gentiles, the lostness of the Jew, God's purposes through faith, and then he comes to a kind of definition. And uh, the, 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 for 1 and 2 and 6 onwards, it, it, it's, all, it's all about atonement and reconciliation. We were alienated. <laughs> you and I were in big trouble. But Jesus has come and sorted it through his dying, as he says here, through his blood. And uh, there's... It's atonement, it's justification, it's salvation, it's being reconciled. Ah, oh, the gospel. And in verse 6 onwards, he just goes on about, you know, we wouldn't even do it for a nice man. But Jesus did it for rotten people, sinning people. Didn't make any difference. He went for us. So, it's, it's a strange thing, isn't it? That when the theme is so great, this is the big picture. This is how I can come to know God for myself. This is the basis upon which that God, a holy God who hates and is angry with sin every day, that I can come into a reconciled relationship and be completely comfortable and, and know that he's my father. How odd then, when verses 1 and 2 are the high standard of justification, and verse 6 onwards, God's an indiscriminate grace, why did Paul put in verses 3 to 5 about suffering? It's a kind of interruption, it's a kind of interlude. Why would he put it in here? I mean, the themes, the big themes of the whole chapter are just grand. And then, verse 3, he just turns and talks about the difficulties of life. Now, is that because suffering goes with the gospel? Pretty much. 
You don't have to le- read much of Paul's life, then you'd realize that he got it in the neck because he wouldn't stop preaching Christ. But d- does it go wider than that? You know, there are those who suggest that, you know, God is a kind of comfort blanket, right? An insurance policy. That uh, if I believe right, hard enough and long enough, everything's going to be hunky-dory. I mean, health, wealth and prosperity. I have to say, I'm not a particularly good advert for such theology. Right? <laughs> um, that, uh, <clears throat> but it seems to me that anyone, as Paul said, anyone that seeks to be godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It'll rebound on us somewhere. And it, to me, it's fascinating that in the great statement of the gospel, Paul is going to say that trouble and trial is inevitable. Now, you're going to be walking out of this room, possibly this morning, looking totally glum. Because that's absolutely true. We're not immune. And in looking through it, Paul brings these three steps. He says that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So I just want to unpack those with a little bit of how it is when things are not great. (laughs) Um, See if that will help us. Learning to endure. God brings trouble into my life that I might learn to endure. It's designer suffering. Verse 3. And I don't know if you noticed... (laughs) the scripture doesn't always say what we expect does it in in verse 2 through him we have obtained mercy and access by faith into this grace and we rejoice in the hope amen we rejoice yay you know wow wonderful we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God and then the very next verse he says more than that we rejoice in our sufferings we do what? We, we do what? We rejoice in our sufferings. Well, maybe if I'm getting it in the neck for being a Christian and standing out and making Christ known, I could... But he doesn't qualify the sufferings here. It's almost as if he says that we welcome suffering because God is behind it. I, I don't think there's any other grounds upon which I might say that I rejoice in suffering. because I, I celebrate it for this reason, not because it's good in and of itself, but that God is doing something in me through the trial, whatever your trial is. He has good purpose that can cause me to rejoice. And if I, if I turn, you know, to, if I just read two passages, one by Peter, and one by James. So three apostles are saying this. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief of all kinds of trials, that, that these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. It's there again. And then James 1. Consider it pure joy, 
A poem, he says, you must be joking. But he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I don't know what your trials are. Whether you are a bold witness and you get into trouble at work, with your friends, with your family, or whether it's your aches and pains, your fears and frustrations, your deprivation and your disappointment, or your mother-in-law. I don't, I don't know what your trial is. But what it seems to say is that God has sent it to use it. We're not to endure trial kind of passively with a kind of bent, low, hating it, or stoically in our own resources, you know, kind of. No, no, no. We are to go through seeing God's purpose in the trial and growing in it. This word endurance is the kind of seasoned warrior. It's the person who's been at the front line long enough to be a little bit battle-hardened. It's the person who's the marathon runner who's used to running and has got a sense of enduring. I've, I've, I've run a half marathon. That was enough. I mean, how many, how many times have you running a marathon do you feel like I've had enough of this? Let's give this one up as a bad job. Let, you know, let's go for synchronized swimming. Do you know what I mean? But Paul is, is the, the, this word endurance is about keeping, keeping on. Steadfastly, relentlessly pressing on. And the truth is, we don't learn endurance on the beach. Or you may do it next Sunday, but that's a different thing. I, I, you know, when, you know, People send me stuff to encourage, and uh, very kindly. And one of them kind of threw back something I'd said years ago. They'd been going through a hard trial, and in my pastoral sensitivity, which, as you know, is famous, um, that uh, that uh, this person, I'd said, apparently I'd said to them, and they kind of now flung it back to me, saying, David, life is a mountain, not a beach. Yes! But it is. We only build our muscles by walking uphill and downhill. We tend not to build them by sitting on the flat. And the truth is that God doesn't always give me a shortcut. He doesn't always, in my trouble, give me a get-out-of-jail card. Does he? I remember my pastor's wife on one occasion. I don't know what the issue was. And Eva tapped me on the shoulder and she said, David, sometimes, sometimes, let me get it right, he lightens our load and sometimes he strengthens our back. And in the trouble, sometimes he'll he'll shorten the trouble. Yes, of course. I've seen people healed of cancer in front of my eyes. There's one lady who's the only surviving worldwide 
person with this particular bone cancer and she's the only one I, 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 I was there I, 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 I saw and then she went to the hospital and oh, oh, it's all gone still alive today so but sometimes he doesn't lighten my load he strengthens my back so that's the first thing he says learning to endure Another friend sent me some quotes from Andrew Murray's Waiting on God. Be assured that if God waits longer than you, than you could wish, it's only to make the blessing doubly precious. The giver is more than the gift. God is more than the blessing. And our being kept waiting on him is the only way for our learning to find our life and joy in him. So God has all kinds of reasons. But he, in verse 5, the process, again, I wouldn't have put this in here, Paul. I'd have just stayed on reconciliation. But he's gone off on one, on these stages of, of coping with suffering. And then he says that the Spirit of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. And... The, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given us and we just are ecstatic about the future. Ha! Did you know it's the work of the Spirit to help me endure? And he does that in the middle of the enduring by letting us know the love of God. Some of the occasions when the love of God has overwhelmed my heart has been at the time when I've been the most ill. I don't know why that is. But I, after, when Tom kind of, I dropped the baton and Tom picked it up nearly ten years ago. And I'm in haematology ward. Some of you heard this story before. And uh, the, there, are, there are lots of consultants around my bed and that uh, they're talking to Liz about calling the family because I wasn't expected to live the week out. And the words of, I think, I thought it was a hymn, came to mind, clunk. Um, a sovereign protector of I. Now, it's a hymn, I didn't, uh, it's not one I ever remember singing. I, it's one of top ladies. Um, you know, others of his I, I'm very familiar with. But, that, but I, I said to Liz, can you go home and, find the words of the hymn, A Sovereign Protector of I. And she went home and photocopied it and brought it in. And uh, it was the third verse. It was one of those moments. Kind author and ground of my hope. Thee, thee for my God I avow. My glad Ebenezer set up and own. You have helped me till now. My, I muse on the years that have passed. Many of them wherein my defence thou hast proved, nor will thou relinquish at last a sinner so signally loved. And Tom was saying that this morning in the worship, wasn't he? He's never going to let me go. But a sinner so signally loved. And the Spirit of God brought the love of God. Ah, oh, I am so loved. So loved. The second step, and I won't take as long, learning to endure, but then learning to change. We grow under pressure. We learn more when we have to. 
If they're piling the homework on and you know you've got an exam at the end of the week, we, we learn better. We don't like it, but that's the process, isn't it? We, and in suffering, we, we have a kind of protective layer. <laughs> and, and suffering, kind of like peeling an onion, just takes the rings off. Yeah? And strips away the things that we wrap our lives in. So it's, it's quite a sobering thing, you know. We, we wrote a will, Liz and I, years ago when we were both flying to America and thought we may not make it. Um, hadn't done that before. <laughs> and, uh, and we haven't touched it since. So you, you're kind of going to see this person who charges you hundreds of pounds for two pieces of paper. No, 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 no nothing against solicitors. Just don't tell me you are one. Um, but the, it's quite a sobering thing when you think I'm saying this now and it may not be long. And then somebody asks the question, Who's going to do your funeral? Who's going to do my funeral? Well, I'll have so-and-so to preach, and so-and-so can lead it, and all the hymns will be in Welsh. I'll get my own back that way. <laughs> or, um, who's going to have my books? I mean, the funeral wasn't painful, but there's somebody having my books was far, you know, that was more difficult to cope with. And, but th there are issues like that that just peel away the bonds that just deceive me into thinking that it's this world that's important. My, my prospects here are gloomy, humanly speaking, but my prospects there are glorious. So, you know, what should I live for? So, oh, that's all right, David. You're going to pop your clogs probably in the next two years. Well, that's what they think. Um, so, you know, you would think like that. No, no, we all need to think like that. We all need to think like that. Materialism is a deception. We're not happier and better because we got more. Whoever thought, you, whoever thought that that was true? But the point is what Paul is saying, that suffering changes me. And I have a choice in this. It, it can either make me better, cause me to rejoice, and build my confidence in God as a recipient, or it can make me crabby and a misery and resentful, and angry with God. I, can I just say, I am not angry with God at all. I have no grounds to complain to God whatsoever. He has been relentlessly kind to me. Why? God isn't there just to do what I want him to do. I'm here to do what he wants me to do. That's right, isn't it? And, and suffering can either be productive or destructive. It's my choice, really. I'm going to have, I'm going to have peace mixed with pain. Uh, and interestingly, Paul isn't commiserating. He isn't saying, oh, poor dab. At all. <laughs> He's saying, rejoice in your midst of your difficulty. And surely it's here that the Spirit comes and helps me and shows me that Jesus is a treasure that's worth more than everything. Everything. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches and whatever the hymn goes. Isn't that true? 
The third step, learning to change, learning to endure, learning to change, then learning to hope. I, I, I'm going to just speak as an old man for a minute, who's pastored churches for more years than I wish to remember. I've met few Christians who live for heaven in the United Kingdom. I think Christians in Iraq and Syria have a higher enjoyment and expectation of heaven than we do. I think our expectation is clouded somewhat. I meet a lot of Christians who are a little bit unsure as to what heaven's going to be like and is it going to be there at all or and then there are other Christians who, well, yeah, 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 I'm going to heaven one day, but I don't want to go yet. I, uh, I, 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 I'm enjoying myself too much here. <laughs> Paul had a clear view of heaven and then a cause for rejoicing. It's, this is a strange one. Right? As I say, I have seen lots of people, I've seen lots of people instantaneously healed. We have been privileged to see the looks on the medics' faces or hear of their bafflement when the breast cancer's gone or the brain tumour's disappeared or the bone cancer isn't there anymore. You kind of um, cheer inside without wanting to in any way deprecate the importance of doctors. But why, why should God heal me? Why, why should I want to delay the day? I mean, to be with Christ is far better, isn't it? And it's a very, very interesting challenge when you sit in my chair. Because if I believe in heaven, why would I want to stay here with you lot? Because you're going to look a lot better and be a lot nicer when you get there. Well, some of you are in heaven already, I know. But it's a huge issue, really. The, 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 only, the only satisfactory answer it has is for me to stay will be fruitful service for you. I'm not sure on the Walesworth side of things, with some of the initiatives that are running forward, that, we are, that there is the prospect of seeing significant initiatives in different parts of Wales to see the gospel seeded in gospel communities again. I'd love to be a part of that process. I, I, I'd love to help in the extension of the gospel into Bill Thortle and Idlois or Blynafestiniog or Corwin or wherever. I, it's still on my heart to see that. But that's not a reason for avoiding heaven and putting it off. It's going to be far better. We're going to see Jesus face to face. We're going to be free from sin and sickness laden bodies. We're going to have new bodies and a new heaven and a new earth where the barrier between God and us is completely removed. It's not going to be by faith there. It's going to be by sight. Sight! Can you imagine that? You know, I, 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 going back to the time on hematology ward when you know I was going to pop my clogs by Sunday, and uh, I'm not going to church on Sunday. I'm going to heaven. Ah, how good is that? 
heaven on Sunday. And so Paul says he's not ashamed, quoting Isaiah 28. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful opportunity when people think you're dying to tell them why you're not worried and who it is that's opened heaven for you. I mean, if you want an evangelistic opportunity, pray that you get cancer. Maybe not. But we do have a certain future, don't we? It's not nothing. Hope for the Christian isn't speculative. It isn't a maybe. It's an absolute cast-iron certainty. It, it, it's here that's uncertain. We tend to think it's the other way around. Here I can touch it and taste it and feel it and I've got enough money in the bank to get me to 90 uh, and therefore this is, this is secure. But heaven, well, it's not really secure. Rubbish is secure. I mean, if Islamic State takes over, what's your, hundred, what's your money in the bank going to do for you? They'll be building a new mosque. I'm not, I'm not prophesying. I'm just illustrating that actually our future is sure there. And it's the Spirit who comes and sheds the love of God into my heart, says that he's poured out abundantly, extravagantly. It's a kind of effusion, it's a cloudburst on parched land. The Spirit of God comes to help me to endure. In my heart. Sheds the love of God around in my heart. Isn't that wonderful? The Spirit of God comes to change me, cause me to grow, to wean me off this world and cause me to live with a high expectation of the future. It's not a bad test for what is the work of the Spirit. Oh, I've been so blessed by the Spirit. Oh, good, good. How has it affected your hope? And how has it affected your endurance and your character? Those are the kind of tests. But having said all of that about endurance and change, and hope. Back to where we started. Remember that these three verses are set in the context of the Gospel. It, it's only when I understand atonement, and reconciliation, and having peace with God, that verses 3, 4, and 5 are even possible. Let alone make sense. I, I have to come to that place for myself where I have put my trust personally, repented of my sin, put my trust personally in the Lord Jesus as my Saviour and turn to follow him. It's, it's only then that the Spirit of God comes into my heart and makes suffering sensible and a hope very, very exciting. Lord, we thank you for these verses unexpectedly in the midst of gospel-centred verses. And that the Spirit of God will come to each one of us to give us a, a hope, a glorious hope, and all the confidence and all of the encouragement to endure, whether that's for the sake of the gospel or whether it's the trials of life, to see that you are behind it all and you are doing a good thing in my life, even in my trouble. Lord, we pray that our faith will be strong for that and your name will be glorified in our lives. Amen.
Thank you, David. What a, what a challenging word for us this morning. And I wonder for you, as you hear those words, I wonder what difference to you it makes that Christ has paid for all of your sin. Christ has atoned for your guilt. I wonder what difference it makes to you that he has reconciled you to the Father. That you might know him and walk with him through all your days. What difference it makes to you that you may look forward with hope. But not hope that is wavering or uncertain. Hope that is concrete and sure. Just as we sing this final song, what a great opportunity for us to come once again to our God. Maybe for some of us this morning, to trust in him for the very first time, to cry out to him, the only one who can save. For others of us, who mainly maybe have grown comfortable with this world. Maybe some of us who have grown to be secure with all that we have. To be once again reminded of the greatness of the hope that is ahead of us. Just in these moments, Lord, we pray, would you, by your Spirit, lead us once again to Jesus? Lead us once again to see the greatness of our King. May we once again grasp by the outpouring of your Spirit that we have been made sons and daughters of the living God. Lead us to know an assurance of all that we hope for. An assurance of the glory that awaits us. And Lord, as we sing, may you flood our hearts and minds with the love of God through your Spirit. Let's sing, shall we? Feel free to stay seated or to stand. It's up to you. There is a hope that burns within my heart that gives me strength for every passing day. I can solve glory now revealed in me, good part, yet drives all doubt away. I stand in Christ with sins forgiven, and Christ in me, the hope of heaven.
We don't have to wait for hope. And we don't have to wait for unspeakable joy. We don't have to wait for that deep love. We simply have to call out. May God cause our reliance on this world and our hope in fickle things to be broken and awaken our hearts and minds to hope in that which is secure and sure and firm. May God bless you in the knowledge of that hope as we finish now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to finish in